Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders here with my cohort and no longer orc friend. Just my my cohort and my wet bandit partner, Mason nope. Weir. No, you're you're a wet bandit by yourself, man. I am home alone. What, what are you talking about? You you think you're the kid? Like you're the you're the one that wins the you know the. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be anybody from this movie, you want to be the kid. No, you want to be Merv. No, Mer- uh, no, Merv. Merv takes it on the chin, in the face, in the balls, like everything. All those guys get it hard, man. Yeah, Everyone but he's the only Kevin McAllister. Yeah, he's the only decent person in this whole story. The kid's a little asshole. Everyone's a little asshole. Merv's the only one that's probably there, not by his own design. He's kind of stuck there, you know, doing uh, Joe Pesci's, uh, you know, grunt work, and he's just trying to—he's just trying to earn an honest or a dishonest living. Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and get into it then. It's uh, Home Alone that we're covering today. And... Oh yeah, we're doing Home Alone. That came out in 1990 and got 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. What is this bullshit? Well, I mean, if you're if you were just judging it as a movie by itself without uh, without the hoopla that comes around Home Alone, which is like it's you know the top grossing Christmas movie of all time. You know, it's the beginning of Macaulay Culkin's uh, short career. And and he and just in general, it's like it's a cutesy wootsy. Like it sort of embolizes uh, or symbolizes that the '90s movie in general. And and just if you were to take it and just discuss it as a movie, it's got some stuff that's wanting. But you said short career. I expected you to say legendary career. Macaulay Culkin well, is a super stud. You know, the only reason he doesn't act is because he's so rich from these movies when he was a kid. Is that it? Yeah, because... dude. He did this one, Richie Rich, A Good Son. Total total beast. What what else? Was I he mean, Age Master? Uh, my favorite movie of his is The Good Son. You remember that with Elijah Wood? Oh, yeah. I watched that a couple weeks ago, actually. It was really good. That is, he's that's good a... in it. He's a psychopath. Yeah, that's his best movie. Fuck Home Alone. Home Alone's like, you know, he's set up to be a, a winner in Home Alone, but he actually puts a good performance forth in, in The Good Son. Well, that just kind of shows his range, man. He's he's a legend, I'm saying. But the 66% thing, it's supposed to be thumbs up or thumbs down. That's how the Rotten Tomatoes things work. So 66% of people say mm-hmm. thumbs up. Come on, man. Two out of three people. That means one out of three people don't like Home Alone. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, they obviously the test audience didn't have a lot of kids in there. I don't. I'm not sure it's just for kids. It, it, I mean, it, it's a family movie for sure, but it doesn't have that corniness that a lot of family movies have. I mean, it's a little cheesy, I guess. Towards yeah, the end, but... every every single fucking line that Macaulay Culkin delivers is a cheese ball line. I mean, let's let's be honest. But you know, it's he's super cute and. You know he's he's doing things that are are really fun. It's like a cartoon mixed with a movie almost. Like the way that they beat up on these bad guys. Yeah, uh, it'll it'll be interesting to to see what you give it at the end as a rating because I'm gonna not rate it on a Christmas scale. Be, 
for a Christmas scale, it's going to be really high. If you're just talking Christmas movies. Oh, Christmas movies, yeah. It's at the top of the list. It might be number one. But for a movie in general, it, yeah, maybe I'll be more along the lines of the Rotten Tomato rating. Yeah, I mean, I, I if if you take it out of the movie section or out of the Christmas section, then yeah, you're gonna, it's gonna drop the rating significantly. I really don't like Christmas movies that much. It, it's like uh, I don't know, it's just not my thing. There's there's not very many that I even like a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of I think rare that they're that good. Like, uh, I mean, probably my favorite Christmas movie is, wow, I, I guess maybe The Grinch. I thought you would say The Grinch. We saw The Grinch yeah. when we were in high school. Really? Yeah, you and I saw it on the way down to the beach or at the beach. The uh, Jim Carrey Grinch? Daytona. Yeah, the Jim Carrey Grinch. Oh, yeah, but he's so perfect for that character. He does such a good job in that. I just saw another Jim Carrey, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. I saw it oh, in yeah. and I saw it again yesterday. He's awesome in that. Um, he saves the movie for sure, but I, I, I wouldn't say he's awesome. Don't talk shit. <laughs> I I won't because I love I love Jim Carrey. Yeah, I love. But I'll Jim say Carrey, all I'll say all I'll say that that movie would would get the lowest rating that I've ever given if what? we review if we reviewed it. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, okay. Well, I, all right, we might have to do a bad movie march with Sonic the Hedgehog because I kind of like. Ooh. it. Yeah, if we do bad movie march, oh, we'll do we'll do Sonic the Hedgehog in there and. For sure, because it's just not a good movie. And then he saves it as Doctor Robotnik. It kind of, kind of saves it. At least helps, helps it. Uh, anyway, anyway, back, back to way Home off. Alone. Way off, of course. Just a little bit off topic, but back to Home Alone. We can actually talk about the cast this time because we're no longer doing Lord of the Rings. Mm, oh yeah. So we've got Macaulay Culkin as the star, the young uh, eight-year-old Kevin McAllister. We've got Joe Pesci as a police officer slash robber. He's not really a police officer, but he disguises himself as one mm-hmm. to uh, become a robber. And we've yeah. covered Joe Pesci in two other movies already now. Yeah, Joe Pesci, gets he's getting in a lot of our, our stuff. Yeah, third appearance from Mr. Pesci in, our, in the Race Talk podcast. He's, he's, the, he's, the, he's good in this one. Yeah, he's really good in this one. Uh, Daniel Stern is Marv. Mm-hmm. And you said that you liked him the best. He was another guy in the '90s that was in a lot of shit that I saw. Uh, yeah, Rookie of the Year was it or Little Big? League? Yeah, uh, um, Little Monsters. Did you ever see that? Yeah, Little Monsters. He was in Bushwhacked yeah. as well, mm-hmm. uh, which wasn't that great, but I saw it, so I I remember it. Catherine yeah. O'Hare or O'Hara? I want to. She's Kevin's O'Hara. mom. Yeah. She was in Beetlejuice, Orange County, Saturday Night Live. Uh, she's in the show that Crystal's been watching, Schitt's Creek or Schmidt's Creek or something. Schmidt's Creek, yeah. Yeah, she's she's uh, in that one. John Hurd plays uh, um, Kevin's dad. Yeah, he's from Snake Eyes. And what else is he in? Uh, After Hours, Beaches, The Package Deceived, uh, Trip to Back. Like he's in, he's in like. He's not Sopranos a leading. Is what I wanted you to say. Oh yeah, he plays the 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 cop in Sopranos. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, he's the detective. But he was like he was like in everything in the late '80s and mid and nine throughout the '90s. He was like the dad. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's also a guy named Roberts Blossom. 
and he plays uh, Kevin's neighbor, the shovel mm-hmm. slayer. He's, his name's also Old Man Marley. He was in Close yeah. Encounters of the Third Kind, Christine, The Great Gatsby. Uh, John Candy, yeah. 80s legend, right? What, what was he in, Spaceballs? Oh, yeah, Spaceballs is definitely what's... Um, Trains, Uncle planes, and automobiles, is it? Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an I mean, he's a he's a lot of people from the '80s favorite fat guy actor. Like he was cool, the Cool Running. Yeah, he was in Cool Running. He was like the uh, the Chris Farley of the '80s. And then uh, there's a couple of Kevin's siblings that are somewhat famous. There's a guy named Michael Markham, is what I read, or Marcana. Uh, he was in Pete and Pete. I don't know if you remember that show, but. He's a pretty distinct look. He's one of those redheaded brothers from Pete and Pete. And then there's Kieran Culkin, who is Mm -hmm. really good in the movie Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Macaulay's brother, and he plays uh, Scott Pilgrim's roommate in that one. I've always liked him. And he plays the younger one that wets the bed if he drinks anything, right? Yeah, he plays Kevin's little cousin that, that wets the bed every time he drinks. All right. Well, we're getting into a bunch of people now that we don't even give a shit oh, about. These are super important characters. What are you talking about? It's- oh, okay. Go on then, please. Uh, yeah, this is the introduction to the family, which is how the movie starts. Your interview. Well, to- first, first of all, there's way too many fucking people in this family for only two two sets of adults. All right. Yeah, there, there's two sets of adults, and they're all traveling to France, I guess. Yeah, it's, and where uh, do all these all these kids are like? There's like ten kids. Is it like five kids in each family, or what? Yeah, Kevin's got four siblings, and then there's another family with this great uncle. Uh, I didn't write down his name, but this uncle's maybe the best character in the whole movie. He's such a smartass and like a oh uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of a douche. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's like this weird balding uncle that yells at Kevin. He like sneaks around and eats all the pizza and doesn't pay. He forgets his wallet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate him on the plane where he's like, "Oh yeah, fill fill it up, fill this up with champagne. The sh- it's yeah, free, he, right?" Okay, he's fill drinking it up. champagne. Fill, he's fill like, it yeah, up, is it up, free? Yeah, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Like he's he's just kind of like an asshole. Yeah, and and Kevin is uh, there at the house. Everyone's getting ready for this trip to France. Joe Pesci is standing there in the doorway, and he's disguised as a policeman. Uh, pretty quickly reveals that he's actually a house robber, like a cat burglar. But he's standing there, and also there's a piece of delivery guy standing there. It's they're trying to portray it's yeah. total chaos, right? Yeah, the house is complete chaos. There's a policeman standing in the house trying to get people's attention, and they're just running by him, ignoring him. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like some respect this cop is getting, you know? Yeah, why is this cop just standing in their house and no one's even talking to him? And and the uncle even says, no, I, this isn't my house, and he like ignores him. Very yeah. strange. Also, yeah, like how, this house is huge, right? The house is huge. Like uh, we don't know what uh, Peter, Kevin's dad, does, but he's definitely making some serious cash because they have a huge house in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm assuming he's a lawyer for some mobsters, but that's, that's just my guess. Uh, if he was connected, you would think the wet bandits wouldn't try to rob his house. That's. That's a good point. But they're also idiots. They wouldn't know. They probably create, they probably, you know, it was a huge faux pas for them. Yeah, that, that's true. They are pretty uh, on their own. They're not organized crime for sure. Yeah, they're bumbling. They're, they're not, they're not the level of the wraiths bumbling, but they're bumbling. 
Well, Marv is bumbling. Marv is uh, definitely bumbling. But anyway, yeah. Kevin's siblings are all really mean to him here. They they call him a disease. Uh, one his sister calls him less incompetent, which is like an incompetent, I guess, in French because they're going you're what to the France. French call less incompetent. His his brother threatens to like puke up some pizza on him. His brother Buzz, which he's another yeah. really really good uh, memorable actor, I think. Yeah, he's a memorable character in this movie for sure. And yeah. and the the thing to note is that they ate all of Kevin's cheese pizza, and so Kevin doesn't want anything but cheese pizza, and they ate it all. So now he's all pissed off, and he's being a little brat, sort of. Yeah, the delivery guy's great too. I really liked him. I saw this backstage thing, and apparently that guy, uh, the pizza guy, made five hundred dollars a day, and and John Candy made less because he just wanted to do the film as a uh, favor to the director or something. He he didn't want very much pay at all. That's wild. Yeah, it's a fun little fact. The pizza guy made more money than than John Candy did. Wow. So they're uh, they're all packed. Did we did we mention did we mention the story is written by John Hughes? Oh no, the story is written that, by John yeah. Hughes. That's important. And, yeah, and it's directed by Chris Columbus, who also directed the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Uh, but John Hughes wrote it and didn't direct it. He instead directed. Do you know what the, he directed? Some other movie instead. Yeah, I don't know, but still, it's like he's a he's a pretty famous director at this point because he did all the eighties flicks, Sixteen Candles, uh, Weird Science. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of movies. Yeah, uh, John Williams also did the score for that. Did you know for this movie? Did you know that one? Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. And he did all yeah. what? He did all Star Wars movie scores. Yeah, he did all the Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park. Of course, that was later, but he's uh, pretty much the the nuts when it comes to composers for for movies. Yep, and that's for, why the score's so yeah. good in this one. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they they get their pizza, and Kevin's pissed about the not cheese, and he throws a fit. He spills his drink, and then the uncle spills his drink, and everyone gets pissed off at Kevin because he starts fighting with Buzz. So Look what mom, you did, you little jerk. Look what you did, you little jerk. Yeah. He, and he, he sends, uh, they, they send Kevin up to his room. Of course, he doesn't want to sleep in his room because his little cousin uh, wets the bed, so he's afraid that he's going to get peed on if, if they're sharing a bunk, so he has to sleep in what looks like the attic. Is that right? It, it didn't look like a bedroom. Like she sent him all the way up top. Yeah, no, she sends him up to like the the, the top area, which is like an it's yeah, it's like the attic, but it's like a room. There's lights and stuff and bed and a bed and everything up there. Yeah, so he has to sleep up there by himself without any dinner. And in a moment of anger, he tells his mom he wishes his family would just disappear. And she says, "Well, you don't mean that," but she sends him off anyway. And uh, I guess everyone goes to bed, right? Kevin's in bed, and it, it cuts to the next day. Uh, and the next day, they're doing this head count. One of his cousins or sisters is doing a head count to make sure everyone's there and all the kids are there. They have this annoying neighbor kid that, that sneaks over, and he's, like, bothering the – what, what yeah. would you call it? Like, the, the towing company? Why, why are they towing things? They're like a, they transport their luggage and shit. I don't know. It's more more has to do with this family being rich out of their fucking brains because 
who's got, you know, people coming from the airport to pick up their bags and load them and transport them and take them to the, to the airport. That is, that is crazy. They are incredibly rich. I didn't even he might think be, about that. He might be a politician. He'd be a politician. He, that makes sense. I mean, once you see how incompetent as parents they are, it's it's a wonder that <laughs> he's definitely he a was able to hold down a job. <laughs> he's definitely a politician. Look how incompetent he is. So the uh, because of this annoying neighbor, the sister or, or family member does a miscount on the head count. So there's supposed to be like 13 or 14 people, and, and she counts that many because the neighbor is there. Yeah. So she doesn't realize that Kevin is not there. Nobody woke Kevin up. He's still asleep in his bed. They all rush to the airport and, and just barely make their plane. Kevin wakes up, and he's by himself in the house, and he's looking around for everybody. At first, he's pretty happy, right? He's, he says, I'm living alone. I, I made my family disappear. And he thinks about all the mean things they said to him. There's one line where his mother, before he goes to bed, he's like, I don't, I hope, I wish you all would just disappear. And what and she says, that, say that again and mean it. And I'm like, why is this mother, why does mom make him put a curse on, on himself? You know, like <laughs> she, she forces him to say that again. Yeah. Now you'd feel pretty bad if you woke up tomorrow and your family wasn't here and they were all gone. And he's like, no, I wouldn't. I'd feel great. I'd love it. And then he wakes up and they're all gone. Yeah. I even wrote down worst mom ever question mark. Because (laughs) is she the worst mom ever? She sends him to bed hungry on the night before a long plane ride. Yeah. When, I mean, just save the dude a piece of pizza, you know, and make sure that you don't leave him at home when you go to France. Yeah, it's just incomprehensible the 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 thought of getting on a plane to another country without one of your five children. Just like yeah. check your own kids, you know. Like I understand they were in a hurry, but at some point you've got to notice. Hey, the little the guy that was the focus of the attention last night is not here with us today. It makes you not feel sorry for the mom later when you're supposed to because it's gross. It's really, ne- her fault. It's gross negligence, and she should probably be jailed. So when he wakes up alone, he, he does a little dance and he runs all around the house. And you're supposed to feel real happy for Kevin because he's finally home alone. Did you ever get left home alone when you were like eight years old? And, and if you did, did you just uh, run around with like waving your arms around like Kevin does? No. That's what Kevin decides to do for at least a while. He jumps on the bed. He, he runs around. He plays music loud. He goes up into his big brother's room and he starts seeing all his teenage brother's things. And that's kind of funny because I had a big brother too. And so it's like, you do kind of want to know what he's doing. Like, what are they in? What are older kids doing? So he sneaks in there and finds all the secrets of his brother's room. Um, One of my favorite lines is is in this part too. Whenever he's looking at the, the naked magazine and he says, none of them are wearing any clothes. It's disgusting. Or something he like throws it aside. Yeah, it's just to, you know, show his complete uh, uninterest, uh, uh, disinterest in the, in naked girls, which, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm assuming in a, in a few years he'll become very interested in. He also watches this movie, which I guess interests him. It's this old gangster flick, black and white gangster movie, and it actually scares the crap out of him because mm-hmm. uh, someone gets shot up there. And, and that's kind of strange, too. He's so afraid of this gangster movie. Uh, and is that a is that a real movie? No, I think they just filmed a scene or two for for the Home Alone movie. I don't think it's a real movie. 
That's crazy. They did it. They do a good job of making it look like an old school gangsters film. Yeah, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure they just shot that for for the movie that we see here. Uh, huh. The other thing that Kevin is afraid of is he he goes down into the basement to look for his family, and he sees a monster in the furnace or something like. The furnace lights up and, and then opens its mouth and growls at him and he runs away. Yeah. I'm assuming that's he's, in his head, right? Yeah, he's scared of the he's scared of the furnace, like he's scared of the basement, like a kid would be. So there's not a supernatural monster living in his basement. Uh I would say no. Decent decent chance there isn't, but I'm I'm not ruling it out completely. I mean it, it wouldn't surprise me if you came back with some crackpot theory about how the, you know, the uh, furnace was that's out the of thing this about this, You know, this movie, there's really no theories or uh, yeah, there's no fantastic. There's there's no fantastical elements, so we can assume that that's in his uh, that's his imagination. And he's scared of it because he explains it later and he says, "I'm I was scared of it, but it turns out it's not that big of a deal." Yeah, everything's on the surface in this movie, which is kind of nice. It keeps it from being an all-time great film, you know, but it's it's just a fun movie. This might be the most fun movie that we've covered so far. It's just yeah, easy, easy going, easy to watch. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. And there are horrible monsters in Kevin's basement, too. Real ones. <laughs> anyway, we go back to the family. They're on the plane. They're boozing it up in first class. They're making the kids sit back and coach, which is kind of dirty. Like they're up in the front getting yeah. drunk and making their kids just be back there bugging all the uh, other passengers. Oh God, poor the poor other passengers too. Yeah, because their kids are bad. I mean, they're really because that's like ten ten loud, stupid kids that are like back there with no parental uh, guidance. They're just probably causing like. They're just ruining everyone's flight back there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Well, we only see the adults, and Kevin's mom keeps saying, I think I forgot something. I keep thinking I forgot something. And the uncle and, and the dad are just like, no, no, it's fine. You're probably just oh, yeah. here. She's like, what about the garage door? And he's like, that's it. I forgot to close the garage door. You're right. And she's like, oh, okay. No, that's not it. <laughs> And then we get we get the classic we get the classic line where she sits up in her seat and goes, Kevin, Kevin. Yeah, she she finally realizes Kevin when she's hundreds of miles away from home. I mean, come on, get your shit together, lady. Yeah, no, it's not good. Yeah, you've left yeah. your child in another country, your eight year old son, and if you wonder if he's doing unsafe things, all he's doing at that he moment is. is sledding down the stairs. Yeah, just and aim, just aim and hoping that he angles it out the door. I was like, the 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 physics on this looks a little bit off, but I'm sure because it's a movie, he's going to go right through the door. But oh, I feel like this is a, kind of realistic, though. This is the kind of thing I would have done as a kid if I didn't have any supervision. Is I would want to sled down whatever I could. Oh, I, to, I actually did. You sled it down some stairs. Yeah, yeah. I had I had one of these little one of those little sleds that was just a piece of plastic. And it had like two handles cut in the top and you could bend it and you pulled it up and it was supposed to be just like a, a sheet of plastic that just bent and you pulled it up. And I used to take that thing down the stairs all the time. Yeah, that's uh, pretty dangerous. This was the 90s. You know, parents were a little more loose with their kids. Yeah, that's true. And I, one thing I do like about 90s, the 90s and these 90s movies is there's always a payphone scene. 
And nowadays, I don't even know if payphones exist, but there's always a scene in these movies where someone has to use the payphone and someone else is on it, and then they argue over them getting off the phone. The funny thing is, in my entire life, I've never seen somebody on a payphone, I don't think. And in every single movie, it's like people are waiting to use the payphone, and it's like a huge you know, inconvenience that they have to wait to get on the payphone. And like yeah. they, they pull up in this scene when they finally get to France or wherever they get to, and the mom comes in to go try to call back home, and she's like, there's like 20 payphones. It's like it's just a plethora of payphones all around. And everyone is full, and she, she, they force a woman to get off the phone and hang up on her family member. <laughs> Very selfish just like, of this rich family. Oh yeah, they're they're just this family is just chock full, chock full of white privilege, just just oozing at the seams. We get an intro to the Wet Bandits, the proper intro, because we saw Joe Pesci oh, earlier, but now Joe Pesci, his character Harry, and his partner Marv are sitting in this van scoping out all the houses that they think will be going on vacation uh their reputation is to break into these houses and i guess they steal everything and then their calling card is to flood the house by leaving the sinks on so that's well kind of like Mar- merv is it marv or merv i think it's marv marv okay so marv marv starts doing that at the houses they're at and he says and harry's like what are you doing that for He's like, that's our calling card, the wet bandits. That, that way they know it was us. Not only is it a bad idea, but it's incredibly rude. Not only to rob someone, but then to just flood their house. Like, how much damage are you doing? I've had water damage in the house before. It sucks. It's, oh, yeah, no. It's not good. Uh, mm-hmm. They go to rob Kevin's house because they know that the family's on vacation since uh, Harry had scoped out the house as a police officer the night before. But Kevin sees them through the window trying to break in and he plays the gangster movie that he had been watching earlier and he turns the volume up loud enough to scare off Marv. And they say, oh, someone's already there. They're shooting at us. I'm going to give you to the count of the ten to get you no good lying keister off my property. One, two, ten. And then he lays into him with a Tommy gun. But then he throws some like fireworks into a steel bucket and makes him go off so Merv and he, he played this trick on the on the pizza guy earlier when he had the pizza guy and also he didn't tip the pizza guy very good we didn't mention that but uh, no the pizza but, guy doesn't deserve much of a tip to be fair he runs over their statue every time he pulls into the house well the statue's poorly placed everybody hits the statue I mean the 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 airport transport does, hits the statue the policeman hit the statue everybody hits that stupid statue sitting there so kevin already is showing his resourcefulness and one of the things i really like about this movie is everything that kevin sees like the firecrackers or the bb gun that's in buzz's room the spider he sees in buzz's room they all Mm -hmm. come into play later in the story they they leave these little breadcrumbs for yeah how kevin's gonna use them later on in, in the movie yeah, he's probably the most creative eight-year-old of all time. Yeah, and, and I'm sure this inspired a lot of people to rig little traps and do things around oh, their house. I'm pretty sure I tried to do this a little bit. I, of definitely, stuff. I definitely rigged a trap for my dad. When he was coming home from work one day, I, I set a bunch of sticks and stuff on this jump rope and then tied it to a tire. And the idea was that he was going to walk through the garage, and right before he got to the door, I was going to yank on the jump, jump rope 
and it would send the sticks flying up into his face. Oh, he uh, walked through the front door instead of the garage door, and I, I was like five or six. And I was, I was like, hey, wait a second. You got to come over here to the garage. And, and he <laughs> completely spoiled your plan. Yeah, I spoiled the plan, but he was a great sport about it. And he was like, oh, okay. And so he walked over to the garage, and then I hit him with the sticks, and he acted like it almost blew his face away with the shotgun. So good job, Dad, on that one. Yeah, nice word. Nice word, Gary. That was my home alone moment. And it, I spent the whole afternoon playing in this, this little trap, so it was great. Yeah, well – I mean, yeah, it's it's really a shame that that story didn't end with you actually like doing something to hurt your dad, and then you just getting this <laughs> not beat out beat out of you. <laughs> well, it, it yeah, didn't. I tried to I tried to pull this trap on my dad, and uh, I threw some sticks up and hit him in the face. He got all pissed off and just beat the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, he he may have, and maybe I just don't remember it. Gary would never. So anyway, the Wet Bandits are foiled and the Pizza Boy are foiled by Kevin, outsmarted. And then we get uh, some more scenes of Kevin at home. And these scenes are all pretty iconic in relation to the movie, specifically the scene where he's standing in the bathroom shaving himself, because that's what you do when you're home alone and you're eight years old is you shave, (laughs) you shower and shave like an adult. And also, like I wrote, I wrote what I wrote down here, a note that, uh, Kevin walks like an old drunk uncle. <laughs> like he's he's got his arms back and like he's like his legs are all pointed out. So he's like he's like walking like he's all hobbled over or something. Like it, it's really strange walk he does. I never noticed that. Yeah, if you get a chance and you rewatch it, just notice the walking he's doing during these scenes. It, it it's his body <laughs> looks all weird. I've seen this movie so many times and I've never noticed the strange walk out of Kevin. I'm disappointed in myself. But he, yeah, it's he weird. shaves, and then he slaps the aftershave on his cheeks. Have you ever used aftershave? Yeah. It doesn't hurt at all, right? It's just like a cologne? Uh, yeah, it's like a cologne, but it's it's a it's got alcohol in it. Yeah, but I don't think it hurts. I mean, he screams like well, the, it, a the thing, stabbing the Witch King. Yeah, the thing is, is it hurts if you, like nick your face while you're shaving because it gets in the cuts and it burns because it's got like you know burning stuff on it it's just it, it's a tingling sensation but uh that's nobody probably the most famous scene in the movie right one of them yeah where he smacks his face and screams yeah so uh he he does that he's also like dancing around like risky business style kind of he's singing christmas songs into a comb while he's combing his hair because he's going to go out and, and do some stuff. You know, he's he's finally got a chance to have some fun and be an adult. So that's it's fun. All of it, all of it's good fun. Yeah, he's and having a great time. We cut to the wet bandits as they're robbing the neighbor's house, and they're literally playing with toys while they're robbing this house. I think Marv's like yeah. driving a little tr- uh, toy truck or something. And uh, Harry, Harry's dri- Harry's driving the train around the tree or whatever, like a little choo choo train. And then Mar- Marv has like a, a scuba hat on and he's like got a crowbar and he's, and they're like, they're not even just stealing stuff. He's taking the crowbar and just running along the shelves and just knocking stuff into the bag. And it's like, you're breaking everything you're stealing. So. Yeah. These guys are the worst, man. They're just so rude to the people they're robbing. Yeah, I mean, it's worse yeah, than robbing them. It's like, they're not even doing it for, to get, to get the money or the wealth. They're just doing it to be assholes. They just enjoy being, being, <laughs> yeah, and and while they're robbing this person, 
they get uh, they hear a phone call on the answering machine, which is another ancient device that was around in the 90s. If you weren't at home to take your call on the landline, they yeah. left you a message on an answering machine. Yeah, early mongoloids used it. Yeah. Yeah. So they they get a call from Kevin's mom. They say, hey, if you're home, can you go check on Kevin? He's home alone. So Marv and Harry finally have learned now that the only person in the McAllister house is Kevin. So that, that call is a little clue for them. Yeah. Uh, and that's we, their big score. That's like the biggest, fanciest house. And they're like, they, they really want to hit that house. Yeah, that's the big house. So they are rich. They don't talk about how rich they are, but they are quite rich. Yeah. Uh, we kind of skipped over it at the beginning, but Kevin's siblings tell him as he's looking out the window at the neighbor, they show this foreboding, scary looking old man with a beard. And he's got this horrifying look on his face, like wide eyes and mean looking. They say that he's a serial killer named the Shovel Slayer and that he murdered his whole family and he's murdered many other yeah. people. And the reason Kevin, he's not yeah. in jail is. Kevin's older brother Buzz is relaying the story to him, and it's you know it's meant to freak him out. I've got this is the one theory I did get is I actually think this guy might be a serial killer. <laughs> oh, okay, you're so really gonna at, be you're really gonna be reaching for this one, but uh, you know he is creepy. I'll give you that. He's creepy as hell. He's very creepy, and we get a little bit of that creepiness in the next scene because. Kevin has decided to go buy himself a toothbrush at the store. That's what adults do. He, he goes to buy this toothbrush. And I love when he asked the, the clerk, is this toothbrush certified by the American Dental Association? And the clerk's yeah. like, oh, I don't know. And I got to ask a manager. Uh, <laughs> and she calls the a manager over there. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so weird. Like, why, why would he ask that? Who cares? Yeah, I think but the idea is. I think the idea at this point is he's just kind of regurgitating what he's heard adults say. So he doesn't want to blow his cover. So he's yeah, just he trying wants everyone to know he's he's an adult too. Yeah, he's trying to trying to make it seem like, you know, hey, I'm an adult. Uh yeah. He gets that all that all goes out the window for him when he's going to buy the toothbrush and he looks over and he sees the shovel slayer. And the shovel slayer stares at him so creepily. He like glares down yeah. at him. Yeah, very menacing. So and he's Kevin, got a he's got a like a bloody bandage on his hand. Yeah, his hands all bloody. So Kevin grabs the the toothbrush and he runs away. The cops start chasing him for shoplifting, and he he escapes over this ice skating rink by sliding through ice skaters' legs. So it's just another fun escape scene with a small element of danger for for Kevin to get yeah. out of. And the fat, roly-poly, crooked Chicago cops can't catch him. Yeah, the cops can't catch him. And we also should have mentioned before, when the mom finally did get the phone, she called the cops and they all just said, oh, he's probably fine. Just double-check your your closet. Oh, yeah. Like so I, we've kind of skipped it over, but the mother has realized her folly and she's trying to get back now to Chicago or get a hold of Kevin. She's trying to make her way back to find him, and, and nothing's working for her right now. No, the cops refuse to help her. And they're all yeah. sitting around eating donuts, too. Like, this is a very offensive scene if you're a police officer. These guys oh, are yeah. bad at their job, and they're just eating donuts, and they're fat slobs. It's 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they really do a number on Cop's reputation in this movie. They definitely do. So uh, anyway, to, to end the scene, Kevin escapes from the security guard and the cops and he gets back home with this stolen toothbrush. So actually, I think we uh, skipped a part. Or we didn't skip a part. We jumped ahead. So th- I wrote down, this is where Kevin does the, the pizza boy thing with the uh, scary movie or the gangster movie. And it's also where he scares off Harry and Marv. Oh, okay, so we jumped ahead, but that's why I was like, the pizza boy thing happens before Harry and Marv. That's why I was like, we got to throw that in. So, yeah, so we jumped ahead, but Kevin outsmarts both the pizza boy and. Uh, to Marv be honest, the, all the stuff that Kevin does at his house, it doesn't even matter what order he does it in, sort of like it's, it's so, uh, you know, just like. Little things here, little there, little here, little there. Like, uh, you know. Well, the first time it happened, I think he just locked the door against the robbers. And that's it. I don't think he actually scared them away. Yeah, he just saw them out back and he locked, he like locked the door and he turns the light on. And then he goes up and hides under the bed. Yeah, he hides under the bed. And that's when he resolves to become the man of the house. They see the light on and, and they go, I thought nobody's here. Well, let's beat it and we'll come back. Right. So then that, that nothing happens then, but now is when the pizza boy comes over and he gets the uh, um, angels with filthy souls is I think the name of the movie uh, that they play and he, they do that. And then right after that sort of not right after, but when the, when the robbers come back, he does, he plays the film again and then has some fireworks in a tin pot and scares Marva. And and we should also note the reason he knows they're coming is because on his way home from the convenience store where he stole the toothbrush, he almost gets run over by Harry and Marv in the van and their eyes lock onto each other and he notices Harry's distinctive gold tooth. So Which he, he saw when, when he was a cop, he saw he saw his gold tooth glimmer in the light. Yeah. So he recognized that he's not a cop now. He's actually one of the robbers. There have been reports on the news about a string of robberies in his neighborhood. So Kevin very smartly puts two and two together here, and he figures it out. Uh, Harry also says, uh, now I figured it out. You know, this kid is the only person at this house, and we're going to rob him. So before mm. he does the pizza, or I'm not the, the gangster thing, he has another great little trick where he ties up this cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan uh, who are some of the other people he had up there? Oh, well, like he has like these random mannequins d- uh, dressed up and and yeah, he's got Michael Jordan riding around on a train that's going all through the house. But the idea is it creates silhouettes in the it, in the curtains. So it looks like the house is partying and he's playing Christmas music and it looks like there's a big party going on. Yeah, he's dancing and shaking these strings to make it look like two people are raising a glass to each other and all yeah, these silhouettes my... are in the windows. What a great little plan that is. Oh yeah. That in itself is just like a master presentation, theatrical presentation for the kid to think of offhand. But also why does the family have all these mannequins on the house? Like, <laughs> well, the Michael Jordan one, I understand, but yeah, the Michael the Jordan, I don't yeah. get. but there's like several mannequins that there's really only one reason for, and that's to have in a shop window. So I mean, we could we we'd have to now we've got a little bit more evidence. Maybe, maybe 
the father isn't the breadwinner. Maybe it's the mother, and she's a famous fashion designer, and she has all these ah, mannequins. Maybe that's why they're going to France. I, actually, I'm probably ah, revealing my own ignorance here because there's, they probably say why they're going to France, and I just wasn't listening. I don't think they do, though. I think this is really open for our interpretation, so we can really have fun with this one, I think. Well, I do know there's one scene where she's on the phone with somebody, and she says, no, we're not bringing the dog. So I, I don't know if she would be taking the dog to her fashion show. or They never even show a dog, but they have a dog. Well, that, uh, I mean, that could be anything, though. That could be they, they have a dog, and they're going wherever they're going. They're just not bringing the dog. All right, maybe. Yeah, I guess if they're they're rich enough to get their a luggage carrier, then they're rich enough to take yeah. the dog to France too. But I I don't know about when I look at the mother's fashion, she looks she doesn't look like a fashion esque character. Like uh, you know, her role in Beetlejuice, she looks like she's very on top of fashion. But in this movie, she just looks like a standard business mother. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I don't want to give her any credit for anything because she sucks, man. She's the worst. Yeah, both I, parents are pretty horrible. And not only that, like, the father is just completely calm through the whole thing. Yeah, he shows they, no panic at all. And the rest of the family yeah. even seems glad that he's home alone. What is it he says? He's like, oh, Kevin will Kevin will be fine. Our, our house is boring anyway. Yeah, something like that. And it's just like, they everybody writes it off except the mother. She's taking it seriously. And it's like... No, there's a there's an eight year old kid by himself at the house for now. It's gonna be multiple days, and who knows what he's doing or how is if he's starving or what. And the father's just like, "Don't beat yourself up over it. You know, it could happen to anybody. It's, it's no like big no deal. It happened to anybody. You couldn't just forget your con- your kid in a whole other country. Like yeah, it doesn't just happen to anybody. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really stupid. But Kevin actually starts to miss his family as well. He's looking at pictures of them and, and thinking about them. So now, finally, the allure of being home alone is wearing wearing off. And finally, after being at risk of uh, being robbed and murdered by these killers, he starts to miss his family. Yeah. Uh, he, <clears throat> I put down there's more shower shenanigans. I guess there's another scene of him showering. In hindsight, this is a little weird. Like, Why is this kid, why is it? <laughs> Fun for him to shower and clean himself when he's like, I'm that's the last thing I'm doing when I'm home alone. Oh, I'll dude, I would four days without a shower. My parents would have come back and been like, Jesus Christ, there's a smell of child <laughs> musk throughout the whole house, smells like balls and farts in here. And he goes shop like grocery shopping, he does the laundry. This kid has no idea what, what fun is for an adult, yeah. This movie was put out by the Illuminati to teach children how to be responsible. Yeah, he, and he, he does do the laundry in the basement. And this time when the demon from the furnace uh, awakens again, he just yeah. tells him to shut up because now he's yeah. the man of the house and he's not afraid. Yeah, because he's taken his own. Yeah, he's he's the man of the house now. Like that's that's the idea that we're getting through all this is that now Kevin is an independent young man who can take care of himself. And to be honest, he doesn't need his family because he's smarter than them. And that's actually true. Like he is smarter than the rest of the family and everyone that that he encounters. Yeah. I feel like this narrative is just kind of set up to add to the runtime of the movie because it's really shallow and doesn't, it's not like you see Mm -hmm. Kevin undergo this great personal growth. It's just a, 
you know, they can't just go straight to him murdering these robbers. They got to put some mm-hmm. meat in between. Yeah. So he's growing up, and now he's not afraid of the yeah. fireplace except, anymore. He's, except he's still a scumbag tipper because he, he leaves. He Whenever the pizza guy shows up, he gives him his money, and he's like, keep the change, you filthy animal. Well, I looked at the bill, and it was like, I think, 12 bucks or $11 and some change. And he gives I think it was like eleven eighty four, and he leaves twelve bucks. Yeah, and I was like a scumbag little tip there, Kevin. So he's sixteen cent tip. Yeah, old. No wonder the pizza guy. Like, if I was him, I'd have stolen that statue that I knocked over. <laughs> it, it is a shitty tip, and and you should always tip. I agree, but also the price of the pizza back then. So you can get a pizza now for like six, seven bucks. You think the prices are accurate? Because you would think. They would have been less expensive. Now you can you can get a little Caesar's pizza for six or seven bucks. You can't get a Chicago, you know, family style pizza for for less than eighteen bucks. All right, that's true. He he is getting a quality pizza. He's not. Getting, yeah, he's getting quality pizza. He's not getting he's not getting little Caesar's junk or something like or Domino's or something. And in a great line, he even says cheese pizza just for me or something like that. But yeah, I, I like that one. It's I like cheese pizza myself, so I, I think about that line a lot. Yeah, probably too often. Um, <laughs> but we get, we go back to the airport, and Kevin's mom is having a meltdown. She's like trying to pawn off her jewelry and gift cash to get a a plane ticket back. And here we get an introduction to John Candy's character, who is in a polka band, and his name is Gus. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel like this character really added a whole lot to the movie. No. Nope. Did you like? I mean, I I like John Candy, but what was really the point of all this? I don't even like John Candy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get it off my chest right now. I think John Candy's one of the most overrated actors of his era. Really? What What don't you like about John Candy? It's not that he's bad. He's just I don't know. He's, it's he's not right. that he's good. It's certainly not that he's good. I don't know what it, what why the alert to John Candy. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. Like he's not. Uh, I don't find him particularly funny in anything I've really ever seen. And I, uh, he's fat and he's jolly, and I guess that makes him like you know loving. And I know he was in trains, planes, automobiles on Uncle Buck. I think he was in that and like. I really like him in Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. He's he's really funny in that. That's a great movie. Uh, I'd have to rewatch it to give an accurate app- appraisal, but I just don't understand why he became this cult classic hero, you know? Uh, I guess it was just the movies he was in became very popular, because I kind of agree. He, he doesn't stand out as being amazing, but I also don't dislike him. My favorite John Candy story is in one of the Super Bowls in the 80s, uh, Joe Montana is leading the Niners down for a game-winning touchdown. And when he should be nervous, he points to John Candy in the stands and tells all his teammates, hey, look, there's John Candy. So that's uh, that's my John Candy story that I read somewhere that I always remember. Yeah, yeah, like people love John Candy, and I'm just I, – I've yet to see him perform in a movie where I've, like, I've thought, hey, that guy's really super talented. Yeah, and I mean, back to Joe Montana – he is the greatest quarterback of all time, not Tom Brady. That's that's a whole different can of worms that's, you're trying that's to open. That's not off. You're trying to open a John Candy, so I'm going to use this opportunity to call Tom Brady a cheat. <laughs> so that, 
Uh, okay, all right. Well, listen, I'm not going to argue that, but I, I don't think I'd throw Joe Montana. In, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people think that, but uh, I don't know if I'd put Joe Montana up, up top. Yeah, well, it's not Brady. But yeah, okay. It's not Brady, but it's, it's not. It, don't want to go there. We won't go it's there. Not, it's not a conversation for here and now, but it's definitely not Brady. <laughs> well, well, John Candy uh, offers a ride on his polka van to Kevin's mom, and, and she gratefully accepts. So she's now in with this uh, strange polka band on her way back to Chicago. In the meantime, Kevin is doing more fun adult activities, such as cutting down a Christmas tree. Because, again, what is this kid doing? Like, do anything fun, bro. Don't go cut down and decorate a Christmas tree. Well, that's the whole point of the story is that, like, he's, you know, he's, he, whenever the, whenever the, his, I mean, I don't even know. I, what's the point of this fucking story? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> I was really gonna. I really had a good point. I was gonna be like, yes, yeah, uh, Kevin's like, you know, the the man <laughs> of the house now, and 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 all those things that he didn't want to do, now he wants to do, and he steps up and becomes a man. Hey, kids, eight fucking years old. What's the point of this fucking story? You know, the point of this whole story is to get where where we're getting to. And that's when he just starts beating up on the bad guys. That's the that's the best part of the story. That's the the whole the whole script is designed to get to this part. Well, do you remember the first time we brought up uh, this movie and the podcast was during Dogma when the muse says, "I was responsible for creating nine of the top ten oh, yeah. all time grossing films of all time, and the only one I wasn't was Home Alone." Someone sold their soul to Satan to for that for that <laughs> So I don't agree with that. I love Home Alone, but that's a that's the but first I don't, time we brought that up. I also don't disagree with that. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. If that like if this, that makes this sense. up to now, this movie has made almost one billion dollars. It's the highest grossing movie of all time, and I. The only way you can explain it is someone sold their soul to Satan for this. It is inexplicable that they were able to pull, I mean, yeah. make this movie so great. It's an entertaining movie. It's fun to watch. I can still watch it now, and it's and it's you know it's a great Christmas movie to watch. But it's like, are there really no other good Christmas movies out there? Nope, just this one. This, this is the <laughs> the only good Christmas movie. It's the peak of Christmas. So Kevin decides to uh, try to get some adult advice uh this is after of course he went shopping and he drops all his groceries everywhere which was a weird funny little scene but he Uh, goes to a mall santa and he says listen man i I know you're not the real santa but i need to talk to you and this santa is actually pretty great he's driving an old uh junk beat up car he's smoking a cigarette he's got his beard like halfway down around his chin he pulls it up real quick for kevin and he, Mm. he gives kevin some shitty advice I don't really even remember what it is, but then he offers him some Tic Tacs as a, as a Christmas present. <laughs> He's like, Oh kid, you can't go away empty handed here. Take some of this. And he gives him like some Tic Tacs. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, then we actually go to kind of a cool scene where he's walking back home and he hears some music in the church. And so he goes inside the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he decides to i guess it's like christmas eve now and 
and he wants to go into church for like a Christmas feeling. But while he's in there, the slayer, the shovel slayer comes in and he sits down right next to him. And instead of running away, they, they start with a conversation. Yeah. Note that the shovel slayer named uh, Marley, the neighbor says he's estranged from his son and none of his family will speak to him anymore, but they don't really say why. Okay. Just going to drop that there. So No, he, de- he does say why. He says they had a disagreement and he got heated and said some things and then his brother and said he didn't want to see him again. Yeah, maybe that disagreement was like, Dad, you're on, you're on trial for murder. And, and he's just saying, well, no one has any evidence of anything. Yeah. There's well, nobody. I guess if you're marking out things that they don't explain, that's definitely in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I'm saying this guy might be a killer. Well, and maybe anyway, he's maybe he's a part owner in the Brooklyn uh, Dodgers, and he just is talking to his father. His father, why did you sell the Brooklyn Dodgers to Los Angeles? Fifty-fifty chance. It's one or yeah, the you, other. You see be. how that you see how that also has no evidence. Well, he's called a killer in the movie. He's never called the, the owner of the Dodgers. Yeah, but that's the point of the the point of the thing is that that he's not what he seems to be. Like he's actually a good guy. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I guess he he still looks like a creep, and I'm gonna think of him as a killer just for fun. Yeah, he's got fun. a creep. He's got a creepy face. He's definitely a creeper. And I mean, who knows how many bodies he's salted away in that trash can? There but, you go. That's uh, the spirit. That's what I'm looking for, man. That's the spirit. But he, I, he I'm just. I'm just saying that may or may not pertain to him and his son. It could just be an old-fashioned disagreement between him and his son. Well, well, Kevin gives him some advice and says, how are you going to know that your son won't talk to you if you don't try to talk to him? And Kevin's been home alone for four days, and all of a sudden he has like a, a eight-year psychiatry degree here and like cures this, this guy's need to see his son. Yeah, the old man's like, what if he won't talk to me? Like He's so weird. he's almost like groveling at the feet of Kevin and Kevin's just giving him this great advice. It's a strange scene, but it's a, it's a nice scene and it sets up the climax of the movie. And I don't know about you, man, but this actually gets me kind of pumped up. They play this like a amped up kind of electronic Christmas, Christmas thing. It's like a Mannheim steamroller sort of thing where it's just like, it's like, all right so (laughs) i keep i keep wanting to sing the song but we gotta keep going yeah it's good let's Uh, actually just do let's do the song in its entirety for the intro (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah uh so so after the, this epic music and, and Kevin is setting up traps around the house, uh, he cooks himself a last supper and it's a very serene scene. again. Oh, he's he's yeah. praying over this great Mac and cheese dinner. And this is no blue box craft macaroni. This is some real stofers, like real macaroni. No, it, look, it looks like blue box. Oh, does it? Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely, it's definitely like craft. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the good stuff. Uh, you might want to double it check is your facts. Stuff. It's the good stuff. It's craft, man. Like, I don't know, and I'm probably going to catch some flack for this. And this is a Christmas episode, technically, but uh, 
Kraft macaroni and cheese, the blue box, is fucking delicious. And this homemade mac and cheese that people, everybody tries to do their own special homemade mac and cheese. Half the time, it's kind of flavorless. Like, I would take Kraft with the powdered cheese all day long. Eh, no. I'm going to hard disagree there. Kraft is yeah. the ramen of, of the macaroni world. Exactly. Ramen's fucking delicious. Well, yeah, ramen is delicious, but it's it's the uh, bottom of the barrel. I mean, it, okay, it's delicious, but like Velveeta, Stouffer's, almost every other kind of mac and cheese is better. But very interesting here is Kevin has Velveeta. a knife in his hand. What's he going to do with that Velveeta. knife while he's eating this macaroni? I mean, we're about to find out that Kevin is a fucking psycho. Oh, he's a psycho, but does he cut his macaroni and cheese? That that would be a real psycho who would do that, yeah. I mean, it's it not be. even like beside the plate. He's holding it in his hand. But the clock yeah. strikes whatever time it strikes, and he puts down the silverware. He doesn't even get to take a bite of this last dinner. Not even one, Not even one bite of the fucking mac and cheese. That was the most disappointing part of that scene. It might be the most disappointing part of the whole movie because they – yeah. They feed every other itch that you have, but they just, I, you want him to take a bite, man. Like, that, he doesn't even eat the, it at all. I mean, the mac and cheese was placed so perfectly on the plate and everything was done so well. And then he just doesn't even enjoy it. It's, it's a shame. I've told myself that he probably screwed up cooking and it probably wouldn't have been that good anyway. It looks good, no. but, you know, you can mess up noodles pretty easily. Yeah. And I try not to cry in this movie, but this part usually gets me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's quite sad. Now, on on the award show last week, we set an over under for the number of times we think these robbers should die at the hands of Kevin's diabolical traps, and we oh, set yeah. it at six and a half. Uh, after watching the movie, do you still think that's a pretty good number? And are well, you going here's... over or under six and a half? Here's the here's the thing is you can make a case for whether each incident causes death or not. So I think it's harder to figure out in this one. Now, I did happen to see Home Alone 2, which was just by chance playing on television recently. And in the second one, I will say there's a lot of stuff that would straight up kill a person. In this one, there are things that could kill a person, but they may also survive. So you could probably make a case for either or. But I'm going to go at the under, right under, at six. Okay. I, I wrote down some, too. I'm going to lean over, but I see your point. A lot of these are questionable kills. So we'll just yeah. we'll go through them. Uh, first, Kevin goes with the, the very straightforward and simple method of shooting them with a BB gun. Marvin Harris show up at his door and go to uh, open the front door, and, and Kevin sticks a BB gun out the doggy door shoots Harry in the balls and then Marv sticks his head through the doggy door and gets shot in the face. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a good part where you could say if that's a BB gun, it's not killing either of them. If that's a 22 that he could, if he shot him a point blank in the forehead like that, it might penetrate his skull and go to his brain. Yeah. It, it's a BB gun. So I'm going to say non-lethal there, not a kill. Not, yeah, not a kill, but still, you know, if he hit him in the nuts right, that could incapacitate him for a while. Oh, yeah. It, it, it wouldn't kill him, but you could do some major damage with a BB-2. Yeah, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be getting up, like, at okay after that. So they decide to split up, Harry and Marv, and, and take on the house from different angles. Uh, Kevin had taken the time to ice the stairs 
with hot water. It's the middle of winter. It's Christmas. So he throws some water on the stairs leading down to the basement and on the front stairs. Both these guys fall and slip on the ice. And I counted this as a death, especially in Marv's range here. Marv slips and then lands on the back of his head and then hits his head on every step <laughs> on the way to the bottom. <laughs> Like this, yeah. is a, this is a death, right? Well, it's also unclear because it's a, not a very long staircase. So you wouldn't think a fall from that staircase could kill somebody. But the repeated head trauma, I think I think we should add up all his head trauma and, and include that as one death. <laughs> oh, he, because, he slips and falls. And also uh, Pesci's character slips and falls on his steps as yeah, well. But Pesci's, Pesci's character just wipes out and lands on his back. But... Marv definitely conks his noggin on every step going down and like slides down the steps. So I, I counted that one as a kill, but it, it could be either way. It's not a clear kill. And an interesting thing is in that documentary I was watching, the stuntmen were talking about this movie and they said there was no CGI back then. So all these stunts are stuntmen doing original. I mean, they're, the guy's just flopping on his back. That. What you see happening yeah. is really happening to these guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, so between the BB shot to the forehead and then this shot, this, I'll give Marv one kill. So we, we have one kill now. All right, there's one death. Uh, Marv busts out the crowbar and manages to get into the basement. And when he opens the basement door, the handle pulls down this iron down the laundry chute. This is another death. This is a yeah, third that's death. That should have, like, the, the, the point of that iron could have easily pierced any part of his body and, and like, stuck it. Like, yeah, and they're heavy as hell, too. Like, that's oh, a kill. Really heavy. And it hits him right in the head enough to leave an ironing mark on his face. Yeah, which is, like, was the iron also hot? It wasn't plugged in, but what, like. I don't think it, it was hot, but I don't think it needed to be hot to kill him. Yeah, true, true. I think, it, I, think that's, I think that's a kill. Yeah. At, at this point, Marv has gotten it way worse than Harry. Harry, yeah. all he's done is slipped, and now he uh, tries to open the door handle again. But Kevin, this is one of his smarter little tricks. He puts a, oh, hot, yeah. a hot poker on the other side of the door handle, and so when Harry grabs the door handle, it burns the flesh off of his hand. Oh, it sears, it, it cattle prods the M for McAllister into his hand. Yeah, and this is a non-death, but it's still a very clever little trick. Oh, yeah, that's really good thinking. I mean, I wouldn't have thought to do that, you know. But, yeah, that's that's not a death because you can prod, you can cattle prod somebody or, or sear them, I guess, and it's not going to kill them. But, uh, wow, what ingenuity by Kevin here. Great job, Kevin. Uh, well, we may disagree on this one, but from the basement now, Marv is climbing up the steps to get to the main part of the house. And Kevin has taken the time to put tar on all the steps. So now, Harry, uh, I'm not, I keep wanting to call him Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber, but yeah. it's Marv. <laughs> Might as well be. Yeah. Marv Harry is, and Marv. Marv has taken his shoes and socks off so he can walk through this tar barefoot. No, they've, they've come off. They've, he's, they're stuck on the tar. Like we see okay, one, yeah. shoe, one shoe stuck, the next shoe stuck. Now one sock stuck, the next sock stuck, and he's barefoot. Okay, so he's barefoot, and Kevin has put these nails through the floor or through the floorboard of these steps. So he steps right on this nail, and I counted this as a potential death due to the 
possibility of tetanus. Tetanus, tar poisoning, like also depending on how like we only see him barely step on. We don't see him sink it all the way through the foot. So he just barely steps on and it goes into the foot. But if he were to put all his weight down like he was stepping onto that nail, it's like a nine inch nail. It would go completely through his foot. I thought it did show it go all the way through his foot. No, it just shows it like crunch into his foot and, and then he like falls backwards. So I wanted to count it as a not kill because he doesn't step all the way down on the nail, but also I didn't consider like the idea of disease or potential yeah, uh, poison. I that one is a kill. That's three. That's three so far for me. Fuck. And they're all for Marv. Yeah. Marv's dead three times now. So, uh, on the flip side, Harry finally gets the door open and he, he sticks his head in, but there is still a chain there. And when he opens the door, Kevin has rigged a flamethrower somehow to, uh, what what how did you do the hairspray and a lighter uh yeah or something like it's yeah it's some it looks like some sort of mechanical thing of like a a flame yeah i don't know so but that's a kill that's a kill like that's a certain kill and this is (laughs) this is harry's first death he gets flamethrowered in the head and he just stands there and screams for a while he's just like ah as it sits there and burns (laughs) his scalp to a crisp like that that's a kill this is great to see Joe Pesci like this. You never see him in a funny role like this. Like he's funny in My Cousin Vinny, but this is just oh great. yeah, and he's running around cursing like Yosemite Sam. He's like, oh, I should put this kid to get that kid and He sticks his head in the snow, and so he's got a burned hand and a burnt head. Yeah. I, I did count this as a kill, so this is kill number four. Yeah. Uh, and then this part is uh, just for humiliation purposes only. Once he finally breaks into the house because he's outraged, you know, he's been burned several times. He just kicks down the door, and Kevin has set up this trap to tar and feather him. He he gets tar <laughs> on him or paint, and then he he blows these feathers out of a pillow onto Harry. So he's like tarred and feathered, and that's not going to hurt anybody. It's just to humiliate the guys. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like that's just that's just gonna make the rest of your day really uh, annoying. Yeah, and uh, it, it goes back to Marv now. He's made it to the top of the steps, and he still has to climb in a window from the. Oh yeah, no, he's he's fallen. He fell down the basement steps, and he decides to go around and outside. Okay, so he goes back around and tries to climb through the window. And, and the window's been his own fault. the window's been conveniently left open. Yeah, he, he leaves the window open. He goes to climb in. He doesn't even look where he's climbing. So he ends up stepping on a bunch of broken and non-broken Christmas bulbs uh-huh. that are underneath the window, just cutting the hell out of his already diseased and infectious feet. <laughs> yeah. So poor, uh, poor Marv, man. His and the way, he's, the way he steps on him, it's like he's trying to, to step on him. Like, it's just... <laughs> It's just like, oh god, it, it pains me to think about it. Just to watch it, it hurts my hurts my soul and feet, the soul of my yeah, feet. Yeah, those foot, <laughs> those uh, feet scenes are hard to watch, man. They look the most painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, they're both in the house now, and so they go running after Kevin. He runs up the stairs, and and they slip and fall on these mini uh, cars, like these little race cars, micro and machines. I, I, yeah, I put this one down as a potential death, and that's why 
maybe my know. number's higher than you. You could slip and fall. It's just as deadly looking as the slip on the stairs. Yeah, but they land flat on their backs. If you hit your head on something, maybe you could die. But if I, you, I don't know. If could, you did, if you, if you hit your head, but like we see them fall directly on their back, and it just look, it hurts. It looks like it's a it's a slip disc, maybe at, at the worst. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I could I could go for that either way. But this next one is a certain death. So Kevin's at the top of the stairs, and he says one of his great lines, something like, "Have you had enough, or are you thirsty for more?" Or something like that. And, yeah. and they, of course, are thirsty for more. So they chase him up the stairs. And then he drops these paint cans attached to strings. And they get nailed right in the face by these paint cans going 50, 60. I don't know. Maybe not that fast. But <laughs> if it was maybe thrown, 200 miles if it was, per hour. <laughs> if it was thrown by a hobbit, it would have been deadly. But thank God Kevin's only a child of, you know, Earth. These paint cans are a certain death, though. If you, if you get hit well, in the paint in the head with the paint can like that you're dead i mean here's here's what i think we should do i think we should add a half a death for this one because a paint can to the face is not a deadly like it could potentially kill you if it shoves your nose bone into your brain but i think i think now they've been beat up enough that we could count this as the addition of up to a half of a death uh all right i mean i was pretty convinced that this one would kill you because paint cans are heavy but I don't know. It it it's yeah, not like, quite like five to it ten. It's way. like five to ten pounds. It's not that heavy. Yeah, I mean they are heavy. Like swinging down like with some force into your face. Yeah, it'll break your nose and shatter some bones. But I don't think it's going to kill you. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk. We'll try it out next time you visit. <laughs> if your kids, so, if your kids booby trap your house when I come in there. Yeah, you're getting it. It will be me, not the kids. Yeah, well, I'll shake their hands afterwards, but that's still low down. <laughs> so here, here's a little mistake that Kev makes. He just now calls the cops. He's known all day what exactly what time these guys are coming. And finally, he calls the cops and says, Ed, my house is being robbed. It's yeah. like he's just toying with these guys. Oh, yeah, this is child's play for him. Like, he's just he's just having his way with these robbers and... You know, he's having a little fun. Yeah, so he's they're starting to close in on him a little bit. They're gaining some ground. So he calls the cops, and at one point, Harry even grabs him by the ankle, and you're, you're thinking, oh, no, it's all over for Kevin. Instead of kicking him in the face, though, he grabs his brother's tarantula, and he puts it on Harry's face. So Harry starts screaming, or maybe this is Marv that has him and, and starts screaming. Yeah, Marv starts screaming when the when the tarantula's on his face. It's a great scream that Marv does when it's on his face. That's one of the better acting moments. This, this oh, yeah. yell that he does because he screams. It's like sounds like it's like a real high pitched, like almost like a little girl or something. How much would they have to pay you to allow this tarantula to walk on your face as an actor? Mm. Wow, that'd be a tough one because. Even though I'm not like scared of spiders, to have one directly walk on my face, especially something like a tarantula, that would freak me out. Yeah, I mean, could you put a number on that? Would you would you do it for a thousand bucks? Um Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do it for like fifteen hundred. Yeah, that that would be it would not be a fun day. I would feel like I earned every penny of that fifteen hundred. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like I, I realize some people would probably wouldn't do it for like less than, you know, five, six grand maybe, but uh, times are tough and it's a spider. You know, I grew up with spiders all around and whatever at my house. So. <laughs> in your underwear, everything. Yeah. and or no, You yeah. kill the spiders in your underwear. That's what I've killed saying. spiders with, with my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if a hobbit can throw a rock and kill a spider, I'm not going to be that scared of it, you know. Yeah, well, it's not so much the fact that it, it's just like you said, it's on your face. So that's horrible. Yeah, that's that it gets off the hardest of, part. It it gets off of Marv's face, and it ends up on. It ends up on Marv, and and Harry comes no. over, and it starts on which one Mar- starts on Marv. It starts on Marv, and on Harry, and then Marv has the crowbar and says, "Hold still," and he's gonna wipe out the tarantula on Harry's stomach. Joe Pesci's character, and he's like, Marv, what, okay. what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, hold still, and he just beats him in the ribs with a with a crowbar. That actually, I wasn't even thinking about it, but that should probably be a kill. <laughs> like, he, That's a potential kill. That's a potential it, kill, because he pulverizes his ribs and innards with the, with the crowbar. But this this one isn't Kevin's fault. Like these guys are so dumb. Yeah, that's that's the last thing you should do to your partner is smash him with a crowbar. Yeah, that's internal bleeding though. I think we should count that as a kill. All right, I, I'll give you that one because I didn't write it down, but I, it could be a kill for sure. Yeah. So uh, so Kevin zip lines now from his bedroom over to the treehouse that he has, and he again tries to lure the wet bandits over there, and these guys. At what point do you just give up? You know, like how much abuse are you going to take from this probably kid? like an hour ago? If I was these guys, to be honest, like, they, yeah, I would just not even try that. Like house. when I saw the house was fortified and defended with all this shit, and I like, as soon as I grabbed the handle and burned an M into my skin, I probably would have gone home. Yeah, but they uh, they decide to follow him instead on the zip line. But they don't have the part that, that glides, so they just have to cross. Yeah, uh, like they're just eighth grade hand over thing. hand trying to crawl across the rope to get out and get this kid. Another horrible idea. Yeah. And of course, they get out there halfway, and, and Kevin gets the, the garden shears out, and he cuts the rope, and they fall. It looks like a really good distance, and they, they swing back into the side of the house, which looks like brick. Uh-huh. Uh, another potential death, depending on how how hard they hit and where they hit. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, uh, you didn't put I this didn't one put, down. I, I put it down as if you hit the right place, you could die here. Yeah, but I think it's only one story, so I, I think that's the the biggest issue with that. More, more of the biggest question to me was the logistics of how how are you halfway across the yard and you you grab onto that rope when it's cut and you still from only one story up fall down and hit the wall like you should hit the ground before the, the rope should be oh well, why do you think it was only one story up he, he climbed all the stairs in his house and his house is huge okay so it's three stories like what is it's on the third story yeah it's probably on the third I mean, story the view been. from outside it looked like it was on the second story i don't know i'd have to re-watch that one but i think they were pretty high up yeah i'd have to that's Either way, it's a potential death, and it's from it's three the last three stories. Time. That's a potential death. Well, falling from uh, with that speed, like two adult males on the end of that rope, and then you're swinging pretty fast and hard right into the rock. Like, imagine if you were swinging on a vine and you just swung right into a 
a rock or like a hard embankment yeah. as fast as you it would be falling. It could get you. It could, it, uh, yeah, it's a tough, that's a tough sell for a kill, but that could definitely hurt. That could, that could add up to a kill coming. Yeah, it, it could add up. That's, it's just more abuse these guys yeah. are taking. So the wet bandits are smashed up against the side of the house. Kevin leaves the tree house. He runs over to his neighbor's house now, the, the ones who also aren't home. And a nice little touch here. Their basement is totally flooded because the wet bandits have flooded their home. He goes in through this, uh, one of those doors, like a storm door that leads down to the basement from the outside. Yeah. Is that what it's called? A storm door? But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He, he yeah, goes that in would I'm not really sure what his plan was here. but cellar, he cellar like the cellar door, storm door, cellar door. Yeah, I wish more houses had those, man. Those are cool. But the funny part is, I didn't realize this originally, but re-watching it, I realized the whole place was flooding because that was where they robbed earlier and the faucets had finally, like, flowed over. Like, the whole place was flooded because the wet bandits hit that place. Yeah, they hit it and it was all wet. So uh, he had to wade through a couple feet of water to get to the stairs. And he finally, he gets up the stairs out of this basement and he runs into the main part of their house. But finally, Marv and Harry had outsmarted him and met him there. So they grab up Kevin and they hang him on a door, like a coat hanger on the door by his sweater. And they, they say they're going to break all of his fingers because he had, you know, almost killed them several times. Yeah. This part is... uh, this is tough, man. This is tough to watch. Yeah, because he says he's going to bite each of his fingers off, and it's like he's getting ready to. Yeah, That's they're, they're going to mess Kevin crazy. up. When I was young, who, I watched this. I felt a lot of uh, suspense here, like a dread. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, But they, who shows is, up? Where Kevin, we think Kevin's caught. Yeah, we think Kevin's caught. We think Kevin is dead now, but who shows up? But the Old slayer, the shovel slayer. Yeah, so this is the biggest evidence. If you were trying to make a case for him being a serial killer, uh, this is the biggest evidence that he's not because he's the ends up being the hero and whacking these guys with a shovel, and he knocks him out, and he saves Kevin and gets him to run off, and the the cops show up. You know these. These disastrous cops that for the whole movie haven't given a damn about this neighborhood. And then finally, Kevin calls and says they're being robbed. And all of a sudden, they, like, the SWAT team shows up. Well, you say this is evidence that he's not a serial killer. But did you notice how he one hit kills these guys with his shovel? I mean, he, he lays them out with one hit with this flat shovel that probably wouldn't knock a dude out. He knows just where to hit them. And if he's already got a reputation as a potential killer, what better thing to do than to clear your name than to save the uh, neighboring eight-year-old. Well, that sounds sounds a bit like paranoia. Like, it sounds like, uh, I mean, the guy's just out there doing a good deed. He's here to save the kid, you know, and you're you're just like, uh, you're just like Buzz, you know, you you don't understand him. So you want to label him as a, as a, as a weirdo and a freak. Well, he is weird. I mean, we already just look at the guy. He's definitely weird. weird. He's weird looking, you know. And he's really good with his shovels, all I'm saying. Probably a little too good. Well, he works with it every day. I mean, he's a master of his craft. Oh, yeah, he works with it, all right. Burying bodies. <laughs> and, and killing people. But and the, salting uh, the away their corpse. 
when does uh when does Marv lose or when does Harry lose his tooth? Uh it must be way back when because it's in the McAllister house and they're not in the McAllister right. house anymore. Okay, so it's probably when the paint can hit him, he, his tooth gets knocked out, his gold tooth. Yeah. But the uh, wet bandits are arrested. They they give Kevin the dirty look, and, and he waves goodbye to them. He's finally won. So now he can get back to more adult activities like setting out cookies and milk for Santa. And I'm assuming he cleaned up at least most of the mess that he made in the house because he really trashed the house over these last few days. Yeah, I know he doesn't clean his brother's room, but the rest of the house looks pretty good. So this kid must have been cleaning all night. Yeah. Uh, one uh, one John Candy scene that I did like, it, it, they show him driving back to to Chicago with Kevin's mom in the car. And he tells mm-hmm. a story about how, what was it he said about the, they lost the corpse at his brother's funeral or something like that. And she shouldn't feel bad because they misplaced the body. And she's like, well, this is not making me feel better at all. Uh, I forget what it is he said, but I really like that scene when he, yeah, when he says I, something <laughs> I know what you're talking about, too, and it was kind of a funny little line, but I can't think of exactly what he said. You're right, though. Yeah, and so right before bed, it, you know, he goes back to Kevin. It was kind of a pointless John Candy scene, but they're all playing poker yeah. in the car. But Kevin prays before bed that all he wants for Christmas now is to have his family back, and he really wants to wake up to his family being there. Yeah. So he goes to sleep, and we get a little MacGuffin here. As he wakes up the next day on Christmas morning, he's all excited to see his family and think they're home, but they're not mm-hmm. home. Or are they? His, his uh, mom is actually home. They they tease the audience for a they, minute that they didn't. Make oh it yeah. Home. Oh yeah. I thought you you McGuffed me. I was like, wait, they are they are there, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they are there, but they make you think that they're not there. So it's yeah. just his mom first. Oh yeah, that's right. So he comes down and he looks around. And he's like. Mom, uh, yeah, uh, and nobody's there, and he's like, "Oh, I guess it was just a dream, or my head, or brain, or the 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 psychosomatic trauma that I've went through trying to oust burglars from my house." But then, lo but and behold, actually, yeah, she is there. Yeah. Actually, she does. Show did them. you uh, did you notice how weird they react to each other when? So he doesn't like rush to her and hug her, and she inexplicably doesn't rush to him which is exactly what would happen if in a real life scenario like this but instead they both just stand there and stare at each other awkwardly yeah, for a few they kind of leer like it's a standoff of who's going to break down and show that the other one needed the other one more and then they they hug and then a few seconds later the rest of the family shows up so what was the point of her being off on her own trying to catch a different ride back if all they had to do was just well, together. yeah, that's the 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 husband walks back in nonchalantly as he's been nonchalant the whole movie, and he's like, "Yeah, well, we caught a we caught that flight that you didn't want to wait for, remember?" And she's like, "Oh, so she's driven through this fucking polka van of God knows who, like these uh, drunken rapists they could have been, and she's gone all the way through um, from Milwaukee to Chicago with these uh, polka guys." And she could have just flown and got there, and and literally three or four minutes later. Yeah, just uh, more more weird weirdness from the parents, and the dad is so nonchalant this whole time. Like it's kind of ex- uh, acceptable, I guess, for the siblings to not give a shit. 
it's kind of a standard, I guess. But the fact that the dad, like, you're right. The dad's just like, oh, yeah, hey, we're all back together. He has no concern whatsoever. Yeah. But they all they all show up, and they all have a new appreciation for Kevin having it's defended like, the house. Yeah, and it's like the father knew everything was going to work out the whole time. He was just like, yeah, no, we're back. All right. We didn't get to go to France. We didn't get to hang out. But Kevin's okay, and and you're here. And okay, get the mashed potatoes started and the turkey going, and let's just have <laughs> a old-fashioned Christmas like we were going to do and pretend yeah. like nothing's wrong. I mean, the mom at least feels some guilt. I think she apologizes to Kevin, but again, it's yeah. an unacceptable sin as a mother. I think, you just I, can't do yeah. that. I think this father really didn't want this many kids to begin with, and he's just really looking forward to lo- losing one, possibly. All right, so the, the shovel slayer can't be a serial killer, but the dad <laughs> secretly hoped that his son had starved to death while they were gone. You snowed that theory under real quick, you know? <laughs> Well, Buzz, his big brother Buzz, even gives him a compliment. And Buzz is the most villainous of his siblings. He even says, ah, that was pretty cool, Kev. But then he goes up to his room and sees the huge mess that that Kevin made up there, and he's pissed again. Yeah, listen, the whole point of the script in that particular part is to let you know that you shouldn't be judgmental of people by how they look. So, like... You keep trying to make this guy out as a serial killer because he's creepy looking. It's like, yeah, that's what they want you to believe. But the point of the script and the lesson it's trying to teach you is that, hey, not everyone that looks strange is strange. Oh, that's just not as much fun as... I think the more important lesson we should be taking is that some psychopaths look like Kevin's father and just don't even give a damn that their kids have been left in Chicago by themselves for five days. Possibly. But I also like to think that the shovel slayer had been watching Kevin this whole time and was envious of his ability to set these lethal traps and decides to team up with them. There are serial killer partners. Oh Maybe my he's going to groom Kevin. Oh my God. This is a real stretch. Like you're really reaching for this though. Like you, this is, you're, you're going out on a limb and you're just grabbing some theory that you've picked off of a tree that might not even be a tree involved in this movie. Like it's just, it's so out there. You're just, I mean, we have. I like movies that make you work a little bit. You know, there's something there. Well, you're working, but you're working way harder than you need to because we know the real villain of the story, and it's Kevin's father. (laughs) I'm all. I mean, he's he's not a villain. He's just an imbecile. Let's. He's an imbecile, but he's not though because he's obviously connected to the mob. He's a lawyer. He's got a. He makes way too much money. I mean, why else does he have a dirty cop watching his house at the beginning of this movie? And then, you know, he doesn't give a damn that his kid's missing. It's classic sociopathic Sopranos behavior. It's exactly how Tony Soprano would probably react if, you know, his kid was in danger or something like that. He'd be like, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, don't worry about it because uh, I don't want to get caught doing this or yada, yada. I mean, he's probably going to France to fucking laundry money or something like that. I mean, the dad's the real villain in this, and I think you're missing out on that theory. Well, you may be right, because a little evidence there is, I think it's the dad that finds the gold tooth on the floor. Does he say anything to anyone else, or does he just pocket that human tooth that he found on his floor? I think in the background you hear him go, honey, what's this? But he probably probably pocketed it, and he took it to his mob boss, and he said, hey, make this person pay. What do you give me for a gold tooth, buddy? Yeah, he took it to the mob boss. He does find the gold tooth. 
Do we know any cat burglars that have gold teeth? I want their skin hung up in my closet. You you may be right. Maybe the dad's the real villain. But we don't end with a shot of the dad. We end with a shot of Kevin looking out the window and the shovel slayer is across the street hugging his family. But as he's hugging his family, he looks over at Kevin like, hey, I'll meet you later for another murder, man. You're my new protege. He he's hugging his family all nice and friendly, and his son finally came and talked. He took Kevin's advice and he contacted his son, reached out to him, and the son came over and you know, he's probably gonna murder his son and his wife and salt them up. Yeah, yeah. Him and Kevin are gonna salt and pickle his his family now that they're uh, trusting him again. Well, see, now you've turned Kevin into a serial killer, which I mean we have the most evidence for that. He he, yeah, what, I mean, Kevin is definitely think, a burgeoning serial killer. What did we get to? Did we get to? It was like five and a half or six kills, I believe. Like, uh, for, so the over under on that. So he he performed six death uh, worthy death worthy maneuvers for sure. Death worthy maneuvers upon these uh, intruders. Uh, so we we uh, there may be more to this movie than meets the eye. There's a certain amount of sinister in this movie that doesn't involve the wet bandits. The sinister McAllister. Yeah. The sinister McAllister crime family. Mm-hmm. Very, she- the rich crime boss, Kevin's dad and his, yeah. his neighboring serial killer mentor. Chicago. Dangerous place, Chicago. So I ended my notes with all is right with the world because you get the little cheesy, corny Christmas ending, the John Williams uh, soundtrack playing over the background and, Kevin smiling and laughing and, and waving to his new best friend, the neighbor. And it's a, it's a fun Christmas movie that is now over. Yeah. Uh, what I've, I've got a few favorite lines from this one. We've said a few of them. Mm-hmm. Did, did you write down any? I didn't write down any, but I can think of one where uh, Harry goes, Hiya, pal. When he comes up out of the basement uh, or of the other house, and and the, like they finally outsmart him, and he goes, they go, he goes, hi, you pal, and uh, yeah, I don't really have too many. I didn't write down any, so you know, they're all the all the classic ones, whatever. But well, I've got a couple that maybe aren't the classic ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Of course, look what you did, you little jerk. I love oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea of the uncle saying that, but that's one of the classic ones. I really like when he was looking through Buzz's room and he says, there's no clothes on anybody. Sickening. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's also in Buzz's room and he's looking at a picture of Buzz's girlfriend and he says, Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Woof. Yeah. I and like that's, that one. That's, that's like pretty, pretty fucked up because like, you know, we're body shaming like a 14 year old girl or whatever, however old she is. Yeah, well, I mean, he is, but you know, whatever. She she does look pretty ugly. She looks like yeah, a female ex- buzz. Exactly. Like they pick a pretty ugly girl, and we as the audience are meant to think that she's ugly. So, yeah, poor girl. Maybe, I hope they made her up to to make her look ugly. Yeah, I'm sure her parents think she's beautiful. So, I like uh, a line that Marv says when they almost run over Kevin. He says, "Sandy, don't don't visit funeral homes, little buddy." So the fact that they almost ran over Kevin, he he warns him not to get hit by a car by saying Sandy doesn't visit funeral okay. homes. Yeah. But then my my favorite line comes when they're on the plane and 
and Kevin's mom is distraught over having forgotten Kevin. And the very compassionate uncle comes up next to her and he says, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. He forgets his reading glasses. She forgets her eight-year-old son and, and he puts those on the same level. Well, hey, we've all forgot something. Some of us forgot our reading glasses and some of us forgot our son. Next time you watch this movie, just go back and check out this uncle. He's a, the mm-hmm. underrated star of the movie. He's great. Man. I liked I liked that line too. Yeah, there. I just forgot to write down a f- favorite lines, but those were all lines that stuck out stuck out to me as well. Doesn't he call Kevin a pervert at one point when he goes in the bathroom? We, he's like in the shower, and Kevin comes in and asks him a question. And he's like, "Get out of here, you little pervert," or something like that. Yeah, something I can't remember. Yeah. It's very weird. So I, I really like this uncle, and he's in the second one too. He's uh, he's a Home Alone staple. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, they're the only. I mean, the whole family comes back in the next one, but uh, they the aunt and the uncle are they're they suck. They look. They just seem like a a couple that like really doesn't give a shit about what goes on at the, with the kids or whatever. Well, this uh, this is a Christmas special or a holiday special only, so it's not going to be included in the next award show. So I'd like mm. to just go ahead and, and nominate the uncle for all the awards. Uh, best supporting, best actor, best comedic, and best line. He, yeah, he wins I, within this movie. I mean, since this is the only one for this one, yeah, I'll second <laughs> that. I just I agree. Yeah, he gets he should get all of them. Yeah, let's let's give it all to the uncle there. And yeah. best villain goes to the Slayer. In the and film. we don't we don't know his name, but yeah, but uh, Uncle uh, something. Uncles is the uncle, you know, his uncle. We're so both we, un- we're both uncles, so we know what it's like. Yeah, we know what it's like to be the weird uncle, and I, I try not to be the weird, creepy uncle. But sometimes I'm like the uh, the cheapskate, like this guy. So. Yeah. Now I lean into so that. I can shit. relate to him. I lean into that shit. My nephew, yeah. my my nieces and nephews call me Drunkle Skyler. Drunkle Skyler? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so you should like this guy. I mean, you should relate to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he was my favorite. I thought he was the real hero of the story. I mean, I have a whole theory behind it. We don't have enough time to get into it. But the dad was definitely the villain. Well, fill this cup up with champagne. It's free, right? Yeah. Fill it up. Fill, fill it up. No, fill it up. Fill it up. He's like he keeps yelling at that poor uh, wait stewardess to fill fill it up, and she's filling it up. He's like, "Okay, fill, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up." I'm like, oh. "Like, why are you such an asshole?" <laughs> yeah, he's a total asshole. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, on a scale of Christmas movies, I think we both agree that this is top notch. So, if we yeah. were just doing a Christmas movie podcast, this would be the twenty out of twenty. But this Probably is the Rancid yeah. Taco rating, and it's not going to get a 20 out of 20. No, no. And it's really a shame that it had to come after Lord of the Rings because we've just been spoiled by such good stories. And this is not a good story, but it's a fun ride, you know? Yeah, I would agree. It's not, and, and it's hard to do a podcast about this movie because everything's just so on the surface, you know? We don't yeah. get into it. There's no the depth that we we just did. It was like uh, we were digging in the garden, and all we were finding was uh, just dandelions. You know. Yeah, it, it's a it's a fun holiday movie, but in terms of a rating, 
as a film, I can only give this one a 15 out of 20. I can't go any higher than that, I don't think. Yeah, and that's a pretty good rating, I think, for it, because I, I, I'm going to give it as a movie, a standalone movie by itself, a 13 out of 20. Because really the only thing that makes it fun is the beating up on the on the the uh, the burglars because if that if if all that stuff I, I I found myself just kind of like sinking through the script sinking through the script sinking through and then whenever that comes up I start laughing and giggling and having a good time and that that was the whole thing the the whole thing was just the the guys getting beat up yeah. I also enjoy the family dynamic uh, at the beginning. I really like the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie as well. Yeah, but then in the middle, I mean, it's a short movie, so it doesn't drag, but it's just, yeah. you know, I don't care there's, about Kevin shaving. There's interesting stuff that goes on in the dynamic of, like, the family and stuff like that, but it's not, like you said, it's just, it's surface. So it's... Uh... Now, for a Christmas movie, the nostalgia would bump this up another five points. So I'd give it probably an 18 to 19 at least. Now, now you said 13 out of 20. I think you gave the Irishman also a 13 out of 20. If given the mm-hmm. choice, if you were set in a room and someone said, all right, you can either watch Home Alone twice or the Irishman once because that would make uh, them equal run times. All right. Which Home, would you choose? Home Alone for sure. You'd rather watch Home Alone twice? I'd rather watch Home Alone like four times than watch the Irishman again. All right, so you got to raise your grade at least a point then. All right, so 15, 14. What did I say, 13? 14. You said 13, yeah. Yeah, all right, 14. God, I just owned you, man. I just made you change your grade. Well, I mean, you brought, you brought up a good point. Don't, don't say you owned me, okay? <laughs> I win another podcast. Oh, my God. You're going to figure out a way to win every fucking podcast. Like, all you <laughs> – like, yeah. I've got to get you back for Get Out, man. You made me change my grade on Get listen, Out. You called me a racist. Listen, we didn't even publicize Get Out, okay? Nobody knows what you're talking about, first of all. We never did that podcast. By the way, Mason was completely racist during the, that podcast. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you did make me raise my grade, so <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forever get you back for that. Listen, I I think I won the over under because I said under, and I think we stopped at six. So I think I win the podcast. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna have to get a recount on what counted as a death, and I'll, oh. I'll do that one yeah. in the editing process. Since you don't know the number, I win the podcast. Well, here, just uh, for future purposes, go ahead and say you win the podcast, and then I'll edit it out if you if you ended up winning. <laughs> okay, I win the podcast. No, no, no. You're supposed to say I, you is in me. Like, yeah, you, me, Mason, me, won. I win the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. I'm, I'll get you, man. I, I edit this shit. I'll get you. Yeah, that's bullshit, too. You've edited God knows how many good points I've left on the cutting room floor. Well, if, if you can remember them and I cut them, then uh, let me know. But... That's no fair. I'm always drunk by the end of the episode. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Well, that's just the way it goes, man. Uh, the victor goes the spoils. Born to live a fool's life. So uh, that ends the holiday special, Home Alone. Next year we'll do Home Alone 2, right? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Or maybe uh, something else. 
Yeah, I watched Krampus last night. That's kind of cool. Did you see that? You've, Was it good? I've never seen that one. Uh, it could fit in like a scary, it's a scary movie, Christmas movie. Well, you know I like scary. You were probably really scared by it. I was petrified, but I'd never tell you that. Oh, okay. You just did. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. Well, so, uh, what, what have we got coming up? What's the What's the next series? Because we're, we're gonna we're done with Christmas. We're done with the holidays. Yeah. Next, we're gonna do sports. Which this is was this was a weird interlude, and this is gonna come late after Christmas. So we'd like to formally apologize now. But uh, you know, we had families and stuff, and well, you had a family and stuff, and then I had to I had to work and stuff, and we we just got busy during the holiday holiday season, and so this is this one's coming a little late. But we wanted to do this one as a Christmas episode and get it out there, but uh, it's too late to do a whole Christmas series. So we're going to move along to sports, and next is going to be mo- uh, football movies. Yeah, three a series of three football movies, and did we say it's going to be Varsity Blues first? Varsity Blues is next up, and then I think we talked about, I think, Remember the Titans, and then the third in the series will be The Program. Yes, the program. Yeah, and we're, not, I think we're saving the best for last on this one. Yeah, we're both excited about the program because it's an old school favorite. But I haven't seen it in so long that we could watch it and be like, wow, this wasn't that good at all. Yeah, it might actually be really bad. Yeah. And you, How bad could it be, though? It's got a Halle Berry and, and Omar Epps. You don't remember remember the Titans at all, so. No, I've seen it once before in my life, and I remember not being impressed by it. But a lot of people seem to like it. So didn't I have to remind you that Denzel Washington was like a lead character in it? No, I knew he was in it for sure. That he's the only one I know that's in it. But I'm not. I remember not really thinking it was that great. And maybe I was comparing it to the program. Oh, oh, I had to remind. I like good football scenes. The whole the whole storyline is based upon like segregation and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's the football scenes itself are not that great, are they? Uh, yeah, they're ish. They're ish. You know, that's I, I'd have to watch it and reevaluate, but uh, yeah. No, we'll we'll do that, but not for a couple of weeks. First, we got a good fun uh, fun fun varsity blues coming up, and that's that's one that we were both in high school, I think, when that came out, or, or starting high school. So that should be. A, a yeah. fun nostalgic. Movie. I give it a ten, a fucking ten. I give it a ten. Yeah, that's that's gonna be one of the quotes for sure. And that I've seen that scene in particular many times. I will mm-hmm. say. Yeah, that's that's a good. It's a good flick. Only because I like that line though. There's nothing else going on in that scene. And it features it features one of the greatest actors of our time, James Vanderbeek. <laughs> I can't wait to get into James Vanderbeek because. <laughs> He is so bad all the time. Playing football at West Canaan High might have been the what does he say? Might have been all I remember. Might have been the opportunity. It might have been the opportunity of your life, but I don't want your life. I don't want your life. Yeah. All right. Well, let's save it, man. I don't want to spoil it for next week. None of these quotes are from the movie. Yeah. All right. Email us at. Rancid Taco at a uh, movie podcast. Ah, shit. Nope, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Email us at rancidtacopodcast at yeah. gmail.com. 
I actually, the only way I can remember it is when I start typing it into text, it automatically brings it up. So Rancid Taco oh. Podcast Movie Review. No, Rancid Taco Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And we've gotten a bunch of emails, but I've screened them from you because they're all very disparaging about you. So Thank as you. soon as we get a positive email, we'll read it on the air. Yeah, yeah, we get a lot of feedback from our millions of fans, and uh, if you're not giving us feedback, you're you're in the minority right now. So you need to get on that, and you need to fe- give us feedback. Yeah, yeah, we really like it, and we appreciate everyone that that does give us feedback, even yeah. if it's just telling us that we're dry and boring. And we'll we'll take the time to feedback upon your feedback. So if you give us feedback that sucks. We'll tell you how it sucks and why, and we'll feed back your feedback. Yeah. In fact, the next round of T-shirts is going to say the Dry Boring Podcast, and that's that's from my mom. That that's yeah. that's directly from my own mother. She said that. <laughs> yes, I can't get over it, man. She's like, oh, it's a little dry and boring. Other than that, it's great. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks a lot, Sue. I hope she's listening right now. And I hope we end up... She's definitely not. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, she had no idea that we would make upwards of $5 when we started this. Yeah. So she... She also had no idea that we've almost got 20 episodes in the books. Yeah, who's laughing now? Yeah, suck on that. We're going to live at least another two or three weeks on this podcast money. They said we'd never make it. No, we we are in the big house. Yeah, actually, that's jail, isn't it? We don't want to be in the big house. Yeah, we're gonna be in we're, the big. We're gonna be in the big house after a few of these podcasts because you mentioned some some racy stuff. Yeah, well, you're the one who said the dads in organized crime. So, well, I'm just that's... hoping I don't get a knock at the door tonight, and you know, some Chicago gangster shows up and wants to drag me outside and pop my kneecaps. Make you listen to polka all day and, and watch John Candy movies. Oh God, I'd just rather take a beating than watch John Candy movies all day. I might strongly recommend a John Candy series and see if we can't change your mind. <sighs> that actually would be fun because I would just trash the whole thing. I mean, if we did Spaceballs, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, and Uncle Buck, which I've never seen, yeah, I mean that would I probably trash, be a pretty good. Series. I could trash all three of those because. Uh, Spaceballs is my one of my least favorite of the Mel Brooks genre, and uh, yeah, and that's just the, and that's probably my favorite of those three movies. So, yeah. Oh, well, maybe we got a lot. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. We so. could do a Mel. Brooks. Maybe uh, we could do a Mel. Brooks. Yeah, we could definitely do a Mel Brooks series. For oh sure. hell yeah! Young Frankenstein and uh, Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Or, I don't know if we want to touch Blazing Saddles. <laughs> it hasn't aged well. But no, it hasn't. He, I, I actually made my roommate watch it, and he, he laughed at all the lines that I told him. And then when I made him watch the movie, he didn't like it. So it was really weird. Yeah, uh, it's uh, some things just don't age well, and that's probably one of them. Yeah. All right, let's finish this one up here. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to to add about Home Alone? <clears throat> uh, no. Was there, uh... <laughs> no, all right. Well, I don't really have much else to say either, except for uh, it's 
It's one of my family's favorite movies, and, and they wanted me to review this one, and I was happy to review this one. So, Oh, was that you know, the whole reason you I, reviewed this movie is because your family wanted you to? Hey, we're not all Scrooges and Grinches like you, man. You got to get into the holiday spirit somehow, and the Rants and Tacos just brought some some New Year's uh, cheer or something. I'm like, what? What spirit do you have during New Year's? I don't know. It's my birthday, so I don't know what you what spirit you have to do. Yeah, well, we're bringing some birthday energy to to the holidays. Yeah, or whatever. So I'm gonna try something. Merry I'm Christmas. gonna try something new this year for my birthday. What's that? I'm gonna try to not be hungover for my birthday. Ah, because that sounds like no fun at all. No, because my birthday's on New Year's, and I'm always everybody always parties New Year's Eve, and then I'm hungover my whole birthday, you know. So this year, so you'll just stay sober on New Year's Eve and get drunk on your birthday, New Year's Day. Maybe I'm thinking about not even getting drunk at all. Oh, it's a, well, maybe we'll do a podcast that night then. It's a dangerous. <laughs> it's a dangerous plan. I don't know if it's gonna if I'm gonna go through with it. Yeah, we could do a podcast on your birthday and then be really dry and boring. Oh man, your mother would be yeah. your mother would be so smug and satisfied when we were would be so dry and boring on our <laughs> New Year's podcast. Yeah, it will be the dry podcast. The dry tacos is our new name. <laughs> the rancid dry taco. There's nothing worse than a rancid taco except for a dry taco. Dry and rancid taco. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end it then. Uh, Varsity Blues up next. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Everyone loves movies from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos? you did, you little jerk.